Do you ever sometimes just need a mental break where, you know, if, if film is the way to kind of release some, some tension and whatnot, where you just put in a film and, you know, you don't think about anything else for a couple hours and you relax and you give your brain a break and, you know, kind of like an escapism, kind of just, you know, unwind for a couple hours. Do you ever, do you ever have the feeling for that? I do, but I struggle to like, yeah, I do. But I feel like, so I've got two categories for that. I've got, I've got like, I, I need a good distraction Mm. type movie in which case it's like, then, then there's like a whole plethora that I can choose from. But if I'm just like wanting to like unplug, it is like the movies, good movies and movies I care about. I get so invested and so engaged and like, I really, really watch them. Mm. Um, and so then there's like the category of like, I just need to unplug. Mm. And then it's like, and then I'm like trolling Netflix for like <laughs> bad Amy Schumer films or like right. comedies that I would not normally enjoy. Mm. But I also don't, you know, stuff that I can be like, oh, well, if I miss a couple minutes or if I, you know, right. stuff I might not pause to get up to go get a drink of water type of thing because it doesn't <laughs> <Right>. matter. But. <laughs> So, yes, the long long and short of it is yes. Right. Well, as far as like the lighter, you know, Amy Schumer category or something that's light and frothy, this week's film was not one of those. No. At least it wasn't for me. I'm assuming many people would be in the same boat as me. Probably. I mean, it's it's pretty intense subject matter and it's a thriller and it's, you know, yeah, probably. (laughs) Uh, well, welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. I am Peter. Thank you. And you're so welcome. And you, what's your name? I always uh, forget. Uh, what oh, is it this geez. week? <laughs> I don't Steve. know. Make something Come up. On. Steve. Steve. Yeah. Steve, otherwise known as Brady. There we go. And uh, we are reviewing, obviously, as the episode notes say, the 1990 film Seven, as this week was another step in our march back in time, where we Mm -hmm. go year by year, give some Mm -hmm. vote options, and have people vote on uh, film. And this week we had four 1995 options, where Seven came out as the winner. Yeah, not by a landslide, but was the winner. So, So, yeah, it was the winner. And just for context, we had Showgirls, we had... Nick of Time, which I had never heard of. It yeah, was it's a Johnny it, Depp. It's uh, well, like what is it? Like I, I'm just actually genuinely, genuinely intrigued. Like, is it then a drama, it. a comedy? Then watch it. I, I don't know if I want to commit. I don't know. It's kind of like commit. a, it's kind of like an action thriller. Okay. Thing. Yeah. It's good. Okay. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Um. Yeah. So yeah, Showgirls, Nick of Time. We had. Some heavy Brad Pitt content for the rest. We had 12 Monkeys and Seven. I really wanted Showgirls to win just because <laughs> that'd be so uncomfortable for you. <laughs> I mean, listen. So I assume I, again, you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. And I haven't read the synopsis. I guess I can guess from the title of like some guessing of what it is. It's it's like, it's a, it's Elizabeth Berkeley and she moves to Vegas and starts out working as a stripper and then, mm. um, and then gets a job for like a, a like a Vegas show like a showgirl, right? Like sure. a, a sh- you know. Um and often for whatever reason the women in those 
in those shows are topless. Anyways, it's it's <laughs> like it is there's not really a lot of like sexual content, so it I can't go as far as saying that it's like softcore porn, but it is mm. it is the definition of gratuitous nudity. Like the film does not hold back in any regard. But it's but it is a good movie. Like it's got a good story and there's conflict and there's all kinds of, you know, it's not nudity for the sake of nudity. Um mm. but there is a lot of it. Is it is it like the 1995 version of Hustlers? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Hustlers. I, I haven't seen Hustlers either. I just remember it getting a lot of hype. Not hype, but attention. And I, like, it's a movie with J-Lo, and I, I honestly literally don't know who else. But I think they're... I don't know if they're strippers, but they're... Actually, I'm Googling it. So yeah, working as a stripper to make ends meet. Destiny, right. Destiny's life changes forever when she becomes friends with someone, blah, 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 blah. It sounds yeah, yeah okay yeah, it sounds yeah oh no maybe a bit different they they yeah, something about Wall Street and hustling oh, okay. people no, no. so okay yeah, so it's completely no. different the only thing in line was the dancing was but, yeah and probably nipples yep <laughs> or like well timed oranges or something that were placed on tables to block out right well not in, not in showgirls <laughs> okay uh, but yeah showgirls did not win a comment pulling the curtain back for this week's voting. It's not unique to this week, but sometimes it just seems a lot of time voting kind of um, there's some pairing with our Patreon boosted votes. So like really when a film catches say, catches the wind in its sails for a, like winning a vote, usually that means like a couple patron supporters, like when they when they align and they vote for the same film, then that really starts to catch fire. And this one, like the patron votes were not really Con- congested at all they were really spread out so i mean it kind of like you said there were like basically three films that were like really close and right um so no matter what we did we were going to disappoint paying customers <laughs> yeah basically yeah. all right that's great. um of, so yeah of note uh i think showgirls and nick of time were yours and 12 monkeys and seven i believe were actually both put forward by patron supporters and um those were the two top vote getters so they both came through uh but seven was a patron suggestion and seven won that makes sense then Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah cool um should we get into some trivia and then initial impressions yeah let's do it okay now Uh, sometimes I just don't have it. To be honest, I'd rather you not force it, and when yeah. it comes, it's just like a shooting star, and we appreciate it for what it is. Sounds good. Yeah, like Haley's Comet. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, one question this week. A simple question. Simple. Not easy, maybe, but simple. Uh, who turned down the role for David Mills, the role which eventually went to, obviously, Brad Pitt? And you'll have three options. Okay. The first is Matthew McConaughey. Okay. The second, the second Denzel Washington. Okay. And the final, the final, the third Nicholas Cage. So Ooh. 
key definition, they were, you know, turned down the role. So this isn't, you know, someone thought about them. Someone said, hey, wouldn't that be funny? And then, like, this is, they were, had the opportunity if they had wanted to. And they said, no, thank you. I don't want it. So one of those three said that. So I don't think that Matthew McConaughey was getting offered this type of movie in 1995. Mm. Like, I think he was... I don't know how well known he even was in 1995. And then shortly after it was all like, he was kind of stuck in this rom-com thing. I want to quickly get up his filmography. Cause I think what you're saying makes sense. And I actually just want to see if it's backed or not. Cause that does sound right. Cause I do remember the longest time was, uh, okay. So he's got, so he had dazed and confused in 93. Um, some other things that I don't, recognize in the 90s he had okay so he had there's like a time to kill in 96 that was uh you know that sandra bullock movie but but i feel like you're not no this isn't you're not offering it to if you think that you can get brad pitt you're not offering it to 1990s matthew mcconaughey first now let me and i'm actually genuinely asking you this isn't to throw misdirection i'm just asking the question night was 1995 brad pitt a, as big of a deal like i get it he's brad pitt but um, like did he come more into his own in the later 90s early 2000s I, i'm just I mean, spitballing when did meet joe black come out Ooh, that's a good question i hmm, it's 90s for sure I, i'm just gonna google it meet jb and it says 1998 oh, okay so after this hmm and I don't when know. was he on friends was that later in the series of friends that he was on it uh, it would have been after this. Okay. Okay. But I think I think he's still a name. He's I a don't name. Know. Fair enough. And then Denzel Washington. The only thing. The only thing about that that I wonder. Mm-hmm. Is, it's the 1990s, <laughs> and would they cast two black mm-hmm. star like leads? Right. Yep. Because it's a different time. Um, yeah it's a different time for sure and then nick cage the joke about nick cage is that he never turns down any roles um (laughs) but he's gone on record saying that's not true (laughs) um and i'm just you i'm just picturing the manic spurts of nick cage kicking down a door being like hey you gotta we're gonna stop arguing about this now yeah I so I don't I'm going to eliminate Matthew McConaughey. I don't think it's him. Sure. Yep. Um I'm gonna say Nick Cage, and I sure. think that it's probably because he had something like I think mm. it was like in lieu of a different film. Uh, okay, yeah. He was mentally preparing for national treasure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ten years before. Okay. <laughs> damn so then it's so then i think it's denzel yeah so that yeah uh, okay so yeah denzel did turn it down uh according to an interview uh sometime after his opinion was it was a little too dark and heavy for what he wanted uh but apparently eventually he did kind of have some regret about not taking it up because i guess you know this film ended up being a bit of a big deal um the reason i underlined like physically turned it down was 
to some degree, and again, I don't know if this is just two people having cocktails in the creative team, but Kevin Costner and Nicolas Cage were briefly considered, but of what seriousness, who knows. But Denzel Washington turned down the role that Brad Pitt took. Also, huh. and this is an eyebrow raiser, Sylvester Stallone turned down the role that Brad Pitt got. Oh, that's, I wouldn't have wanted that. That's Can weird. you, I, I just cannot. Like, I'm picturing him walking down the street with, like, a bandana in his hair and, like, wearing, like, a muscle shirt and, like, just... <laughs> with those, that mouth of hit those lips, the I, mouth you know, deformation. You know, just finding an excuse to go in the jungle or put boxing gloves on and, like, yeah. Morgan Freeman's like, hey, like, what, hey, rookie, come on. That was a pretty good Morgan Freeman. <laughs> that was i don't think that was, was really bad yeah i can't do i've tried i've tried i can't do a morgan freeman I know. like not even like i'm not even in the the you know that's fair. it's not even like oh it's kind of there no i'm not even <laughs> i'm not even in the wheelhouse no oh uh, um cool just of note i actually just wanted to share two things that i find fascinating um so there's some carryover from batman begins Obviously, Morgan Freeman was the clear one because he's a main character. Um, but an actor named Mark Boone Jr., who I assume is the their, their kind of FBI informant. He's, who the, had, like, he's the smelly guy from the pizza parlor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's the falafel guy. He's like, don't you kids eat falafel? Yeah. Do- yeah. <laughs> so I see between in this movie, he was the smelly. Guy. How do you know he was smelly? Because that's Brian Pitt says that. Okay, call, I think that's I how he that. refers to him. Yeah, I think I was so honed in on like, hey, it's the falafel crooked cop guy that I missed that line. That's funny. Uh, and the only other thing that I find interesting is obviously Denzel Washington didn't take this role in this cop movie, but obviously he's known for his role in the cop movie Training Day. And um, the diner scene in this movie where Tracy meets. Um, uh, Morgan Freeman is actually yeah. filmed in the same diner where Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke meet in Training Day, and it's a- apparently the exact same booth. So I thought oh, that was cool. just a coincidence that it's the same set in both movies and the same Denzel booth, Washington same, yeah. carryover. That's so, cool. That is that, is, that cool. is neat. All right, first impressions. Yes, I I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record from our last episode. I'm not <laughs> sure I. I'm not sure I knew this movie existed. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. And it wasn't an option that I was rooting for. And then mm. when it won, I watched a trailer. Um, okay. And at least the trailer that I watched was a horrible trailer. Like A lot of 90s trailers are. Yeah. Like, not just, like, made the movie look bad. It just was a bad... You're like, this is just a bad trailer. Like, I'm not oh. getting anything from this. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was just a bad trailer. Um, sure. It, look. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad movie. Sure. Um, I don't think I need to, I don't feel the need to watch the movie ever again. Okay. But I think I would need to watch it again in order to really know how I feel about it. Mm. Um, like I know enough I've got some grievances and I've got some praises and stuff like that to talk about Um, yeah it's just like my first impression if I could sum it up is just kind of eh hmm you know I could take it or leave it 
I think yep. it's got a one major issue um, oh. and a couple of good things, mm-hmm. and you know, so it just kind of just kind of lives in that sort of hmm. you know lives where it falls type of thing. Right. I will give my initial impression. Well, no, I'll I'll just give that. I don't need to give any background. My my impression of this film, I knew it existed. I remember I had some roommates once when I was in school who watched it. So I think I had seen some of like the first act, but not much. And I, I had always been turned off about this film just because it is in the grotesque range of just things that are going on. And it's very serious, obviously. But I, my impression of it was this was like a lot of people consider it's a cult classic. You know, it's it's iconic. It's great and whatnot. So just people I know, film pundits, whatever. They all think it's good. And what I will say is I was super invested. I was on the edge of my seat. I was, once the movie got going, I really was interested in continuing it. Um, I had to just stop the movie partway through because I had just scheduling issues. So when I watched the second part, I was like looking forward to it all day. I'm like, gee, like I can't wait to continue. I want to see where this goes. Um, It was on its way to being like the high end of good for me, like really good as far as grading it goes. I likely don't need to watch it again, but there's something about the ending that just kind of, I don't know, I, I'm a little picky with the ending and I didn't like it. And I, I, kind of setting up the metaphor here, like you're going football with Tom Brady, say, you know, he's throwing a pass down the field and getting a heroic touchdown and it's everything setting up for that and it's like wow this could be like climactic and incredible and everything that you want and instead of doing that they you know his team still wins the game but they like fumble the ball a lot and kick it around and make a lot of mistakes and they they get a like a chip shot field goal and it's still the same thing but not as dramatic or as as great as you'd want it to be and and that's kind of like it was for me I, I thought this film was setting up for an incredible ending and something about it didn't land to me and i'm like i'll get into spoilers right here because i just want to say what it was the con the concept of like vengeance and envy being in line with with you know everything that was all these seven things that were being led to up in this whole film like i get yeah that makes sense you have to go there to finish your storyline but i think if i could summarize the ending i i think i would have liked an ending that was a bit more of a show but don't tell and so I, I think I'm thinking of like movies that have some ambiguity at the end of it. So like I recently watched Reservoir Dogs. So there's something about that film that was stuck in my mind that, you know, there's something left for their viewer to discern what they think happened. So I think, and this is, I, th- I wondered if it was going to be a bit ambiguous and then it turned out not being, and then I was completely wrong. But I think then what I would have wanted was, you know, we see some type of bloody box. We're unsure of the contents, but all kinds of hints lead towards what it probably is. So we don't need, I don't need the, I don't need us to be told this is what's in the box. And then there's, therefore that's what this, like I wanted some ambiguity of there's a box, there's blood on it. Brad Pitt's freaking out. Maybe he pulls out the phone messages that were from his wife that he got at the precinct with clues pointing towards her disappearance or something funny going on. And I think I would have found it more impactful instead of just like, because no, like I wasn't that climactically involved when it's like, well, Brad Pitt's probably going to kill this guy now. Like it's just what's going to happen. And I kind of lost interest. I think I just would have been so more captivated if Morgan Freeman 
had had to make his own philosophical ethical choice at the end where say maybe he there's some dramatic irony where he knows what's in the box and brad pitt doesn't know and all these clues are leading towards the audience so that we can figure you know we can guess probably what's happened and maybe morgan freeman has to make a choice of do i tell brad pitt what's truly in the box or do i just make something up and just say it's another victim and then brad pitt goes home and realizes his wife's missing and he thinks it's just something unrelated right like I think I would have just liked a bit more of like a let's set up in the audience so they can piece together what's happened. Less of a hey Brad Pitt, we're we're gonna spell it out for you, and then we have to watch you freak out for twenty minutes. And I think that's it's just something about that is what didn't land for me because I I'm not a big Brad Pitt fan. Uh, I thought his acting was a little poor to start. I didn't really like it, but then for the large part of the film, I thought it was okay. And then the ending and the climax, his acting just didn't do it for me so maybe that was part of what ruined the ending but just when he said what's in the box a hundred times i just wasn't buying what was going on so my initial impression i knew this was a big film i thought this was going to be a big film for me because this isn't my type of film like this isn't what i'd put on to relax or to enjoy but just based off of merit i was going to give this an incredible score and then how the ending didn't round out the way i thought it could have really hurt it for me see that's really interesting i also take issue with the ending but oh. none of the things like all of the things that you i'm i'm i would also i think enjoy the version that you've suggested mm. um but i didn't have any issues with any of that i just okay. had an issue with morgan freeman like the ending of morgan freeman's hmm. story where he's you know like where are you gonna be and he's like oh, i'll be around and then the movie ends i'm like oh right. so brad pitt goes to jail Morgan Freeman's going to go have a farm or something. <laughs> and and then credits roll. Like I it just that felt very abrupt to me. From yeah, from an emotional character perspective, it does seem abrupt, doesn't it? Cuz you think we see a bit of where Brad Pitt kind of gets to him a little bit because you see him laying awake at night throwing his metronome. You you think you see that there's been a shift in what his thought process is. We're not exactly mm-hmm. sure to what degree. And that's a good point. I thought he was going to stay on. I thought he was going to stay on, or at least something a little bit more definitive. And, you know, this was, yeah, I, I guess I don't need it spilt out to me, but I think I need a bit more resolution with that character versus just, eh, we're going to hang around and then, yeah, yeah, roll credits. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the things I don't like and get those out of the way. I, I agree. Because there's this, usually I don't have it for all films, but this is definitely a film where I've got a list of dislikes and likes. So I think I'm, I'm with you. Let's do that. All right. So my biggest dislike. Okay. And it's really my only dislike, but it kind of carries, like it, it kind of embodies the whole film. So it's like, Sure. It's not just like a moment, it's a, it's an aspect of the film. So, if you look this film up, the genre that this film falls into is a thriller mystery. Okay, yeah. And it is, like, it's a, you know, it's a mystery. Who's, who's our guy, right? It's a, it's a whodunit. But I think you lose so much potential and so much credibility or like enjoyment in a film when the answer to whodunit is 
oh, this guy that we've never met and we couldn't possibly have known it was him. Mm. Like, right. there was no, because the whole film, I'm like, you know, so my first initial, like five minutes into this film, I thought the killer was Brad Pitt. Oh. Hmm. And I was basing that off the conversation that Brad Pitt has with Morgan Freeman when Morgan Freeman's like, why here? Why did you fight to come here? Hmm. Why did you want to come here? And he kind of gives him a bullshit, ambiguous answer. <laughs> yeah. And that's never really touched on ever again. So who hmm. knows why he fought to come there? It doesn't really make a difference. Apparently, that mm-hmm. scene was for nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was that's like, oh, point. he's the killer. And he's playing all of them. And I thought mm. that through a lot of the film, like up until mm. there's, you know, the chase when yes. he yep. gets, you know. Um, and so it's just like, and by the way, I didn't realize like watching the film and maybe it's just because he's younger, he's doing a different voice, he's like shaved his head and stuff. But it wasn't until like the credits roll and it was like, oh, and Kevin Spacey is John Doe. I was like, that was Kevin Spacey? Mm. I had, for whatever reason, I had no, I didn't pick up on that at all. Hmm. Um, really? And I should go back, like, I should go back and watch some of those scenes now and see if I can right. figure that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just like, you, you remove the audience from, you know, I thought, oh, well, it's her or it's, it's him. It's, yeah. it's Brad Pitt. And then there was a moment where I was like, what if it's Gwyneth Paltrow? <laughs> what if it's the girlfriend? Right. Or the wife? Right. And like, is, is it just, do you know what I mean? Like it yeah. felt like whenever you're watching this, it's like, it must be someone we know. Like, where is the mm, twist? Yeah. And it wasn't. And so that just kind of left me feeling like, oh, so I really was just mm. along for the ride. Like there right. is nothing for me. It's not like Scream where you can be like, right. you know, who's got motives or the 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 Murder on the Orient Express, Death on the Nile films where you're like, okay, who has an alibi? Mm-hmm. This was just very like, oh, there is a killer. And, and don't get me wrong. Like there's, it's horrific what happens to Brad Pitt's wife and like as a character that there's nothing like there's like that is a horrible thing that he discovered but from an audience member i think i'm picking up what you're laying down there would be more dramatic element to hey in this final climax we find out that you know erase the kevin spacey in the back of the car and everything leading up like just to make it work delete all that from your mind but just in the climax you find out that it is Gwyneth Paltrow, so that not only, yeah, do you say, hey, I had a chance to find out or, you know, catch some red flags that something's going on, but just as a gut uh, a gut punch to Brad Pitt, to have him have this the realization of finding out the killer to only be someone that he loves would be such a kind of like a paradox of like high lows. Like, I, I guess I'm just saying, yeah, there, there can be some really good dramatic stuff that you can do. If it's a character that's within the sphere of us knowing who it is. Yeah. And then you show us a series of flashbacks, how it was yeah. her all along. and Sure. And you can totally buy and believe that because mm. uh, she's never, it's not like, well, it couldn't have been her because she was, like, <laughs> she's often not around. Right. So, you know, but yeah. So I think that was, that was just kind of the big thing for me when I finally realized, oh, 
I like it's not really a mystery, or mm. it is a mystery, but it's not a mystery that I can do anything about because right because the the answer was oh just some person we've never met yet, and so yep. that was just like yeah uh, yeah I don't know that that rubbed me the wrong way. That's sure. th- literally that's it. That's that's my big. I didn't like it. Okay, the things I didn't like. Well, I already covered the ending. I think I warmed up to Brad Pitt's character, and I'm not talking about his acting here. Like I already covered that. Uh, disliked it, liked it, and then disliked it again. I think at times the whole greenness of his character. Like I know he always kept throwing, "Hey, I'm five years. I'm not a rookie." Blah blah blah. But there were times where he was just a bit tone deaf or a bit of an arrogant, cocky, you know, young gun. And so there were times I just, I get it, you're having this retiree and this young gun and they should conflict and kind of have some some opposition here. So I get it. But there were times I was just like, I'm a little bit over this young gun here. I think my biggest dislikes would be some of the cliches. And I guess, you know, this is from the 90s, so maybe this wasn't a cliche at the time and it's just grown into a cliche, but just things like, um, you know, the, the, I'll just use the example of like the, the police captain where he's like drumming up Morgan Freeman saying like, you were born for this. You can't retire or, um, you know, Morgan Freeman or the captain answering the phone, uh, and just yelling, this isn't even my desk. Grouch, 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 grouch. And we don't have the budget to reassign you. You have to, you got to stay on this case. You know, just like there's some cliche detective movie stuff where we'll get into the likes of things that I thought it veered away from the traditional detective movie stuff, which I thought was great. But it still had some of the cliche stuff to go, okay, this is a little bit corny for a movie that's really trying to separate itself from from kind of the the mold that is in the genre. So just some cliches. That's fair. Yeah, I think um, those didn't bother me, but I I can see how they're. Yeah, I I, I can see, to me it was just like background noise. But yeah, mm. like he was he was very green, and he and but and again like with zero consequence. Like, mm-hmm. so one of the things that he did that was like hot and restless and you know whatever <laughs> was when he kicks in the door of that apartment. Right. Yes. Well, what happened to all the fallout that Morgan Freeman was warning of? We're not well, going to be able to convict this guy. We can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then literally Brad Pitt's workaround. I don't know. Like, I'm no lawyer. I'm no cop. I don't work in the legal system. But I don't know if that's going to hold up. Like, he literally paid money to a street person. And, like, with the police officer, a different police officer taking the interview, it was like spoon feeding him what to say. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. I was expecting that to come back and I I was expecting yeah. them to make an arrest and then that to come back and bite them and it didn't. Yeah. No, I agree. As far as what did what did you like? Um I enjoyed I mean I think it's a solid premise. I like the idea sure. of the seven deadly sins being mm. punished. Yep. Um I do like I liked the grotesqueness of it and I mm. liked I liked the set design of John Doe's apartment and just how like God I wouldn't want to be in there <laughs> right ever Did, kind of feeling like I when got, when Brad Pitt's flashlight is dying I thought someone's going to jump like it was such right. an intense yeah. thriller kind of moment mm-hmm. just being in that cuz it's poorly lit and it's like there's not just like <laughs> Not just weapons of torture and murder and stuff mm. everywhere, but like just 
sadistic, diabolical yeah. extremism stuff. Stuff um, that so makes you want to pour some holy water when you when you leave. Uh, y- yeah, I mean, or maybe not, because that was the whole... Y- oh, true. Know, there's <laughs> yeah, already true. a little too much of that <laughs> yeah, going that's on. that's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 I enjoy all of that. Hold um, on, and before you move on, I yep. want to ask... Did you? I'm just guessing that you liked because you liked the grotesqueness. I bet that you liked the color tone of this film. I no, I don't know. No, I, okay. at times it was a little too dark. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was just a little like because it's like it's very like neo noir. Mm, okay. And it just, I, yeah, I don't know. There were times where I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there were times where it felt like it didn't fit, and it sure. was just like moody for the sake of being moody. Mm, um, okay. And related to that apartment scene, and then I'll let you continue. Yeah, yeah. I got huge, huge connection, or um, uh, draw drew a comparison in my mind to the whole Kevin Spacey's apartment scene in this film, and in just a few weeks ago when we reviewed the Batman. The Riddler's apartment. I got huge yeah. vibes. Like, obviously, quite different in some I thought some you were going to say Kevin Spacey's apartment in real life. <laughs> no. <laughs> to, yeah. okay. to the Riddler's apartment in the Batman. I got huge vibes. And obviously, we had modern day like differences. Like, instead of, you know, Kevin Spacey phone calling, sure. we had the Batman finding, like, an internet video. But there was just some things about it where I was like, okay, they could just be me. But I got real similar vibes from both those sequences. But but I'd still rather be in the Riddler's apartment than I I don't want to go to either. But yeah, of the two, I I'd feel okay about sitting in the Riddler's like for sure. Severed hands and formaldehyde oh, and like oh, you know yeah. Just. So which so I think my favorite like the moment that caught me off guard and had I been watching this in the theater, I would have jumped is when it turns out that Victor is still alive. I don't know how Victor is still alive. I don't understand. Like, that body seemed very corpsey to me. Oh, Um, yeah. And, I mean, like they said, he's not, you know, I was like, he's not going to recover. His brain is mush. He will die of shock if you shine a light in his eyes right now. Right. Um, But, like, that was a cool scene for me. I I have to admit, that it was caught quite me good. so off guard, yeah. and like, I, and it's it's very sudden the way that he like mm-hmm. wakes Coughs up or, or comes yeah. to, and yeah, and so yeah. Had I been watching that in like a big screen, watching it real loud, that would have mm. that would have scared the shit out of me for sure. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Aside from that, I mean, I like there were I liked the twist of him turning himself in, like when he shows up at the like. I liked the feeling. I was unsure of the movie on and off up until that scene. And hmm. that scene, like, you know, as I just said, like, my grievance with the film is that it turned out it was someone we didn't know. Right. Um, but I did like this feeling of, like, you know, the whole time he's there and then the lawyer who's making these demands and then um, and then the car ride and then even there in the desert, it's like, we we're getting played here. We don't have the upper hand at hmm. all. Yep. And that was a very tense, suspenseful kind of feeling. And mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. Um, 
aside from that, like, you know, th- there's the odd thing. Like, I, I love the scene where where Morgan Freeman is laughing about the subway in the apartment thing. Like, that was just kind of, it humanized his character. Um, mm. And that, hmm. so that's kind of a fun scene. Um, but it just, there was so much inconsistency. Like, you know, in the beginning, Morgan Freeman's character is the one concerned whether or not the kids saw the murder. And then later, it almost seems like he's on the opposite side and he's much more, you know, like when when he's talking to um, Brad Pitt, he's very mm-hmm. like, you know, all we're doing is, you know, we're not hunting down a killer. We're, we're taking evidence and filing paperwork and we're like, he just, he, he all, all of a sudden he's kind of seemed like the disenfranchised cop, the cop without <laughs> a kind of a motivation and, and sort of a, a pulse. Um, huh. And so, yeah, so that, there just felt like a lot of inconsistencies in some of the oh. characters in this. Okay. Um, but yeah, there are definitely moments I like. Um, sure. And then, yeah, so just some big grievances. Yeah, that's fair. I, you know, I, I was intrigued by the mystery first and foremost, so that was a check in the, the like column for me. I did like Morgan Freeman, Freeman's character, so that was great. I also appreciated the 1990s nostalgia, surprise, surprise. So just the whole... I don't know. If, I guess it wouldn't have been the Patriot Act or whatever it's called. So I don't exactly know where it was in this gray zone. But this whole free, Morgan Freeman researching all like all the library uh, interactions and people checking out books and what the commonalities were between what people checked out before the internet. And um, I, I just I, and I guess the concept of Morgan Freeman researching all night at the library versus just. You know, in a modern day film, there would have been like a 15 second Google search to look up all these things. So yeah. there the were fact just some... that it might take three days for the fingerprint yes. match to, yeah. yeah. And just even like Brad Pitt having to get someone to get like the Coles Notes version of these books because he's like, I'm not, I'm not reading these, you know, Canterbury Tales. Like I don't, this isn't my jam. And so just things like that, that I was like a reminder of the times. It was like, okay, this is kind of a fun period piece. Um, even well, it was set in present day when it was made, but for us, it's a different period of time. I like how we'd actually never get told what city it is, and it's um, yeah, kind of irrelevant. Feels a little like Chicago, yeah, maybe Detroit. Sometimes I got New York vibes, and then when they left the city, I kind of got California vibes. So I think I think I like how it's ambiguous, just because it's like it that doesn't matter. We don't need to define what area this is in and kind of limit what we're telling. It's just kind of more transcendent if it's just a big, dirty, you know, uh, all hope has been lost. cesspool of a city. Cesspool of a city that, like, Brad Pitt seems okay at at times, but, you know, Morgan Freeman's lost his way. Uh, Even Brad Pitt's wife, like, a couple weeks in, with the anticipation of children, it's like, yeah, these schools aren't good, and I don't know anyone here. Like, you, you know, you get the doom and gloom of this urban center. So, um, and the final thing that I really liked, we did get some detective depth in our detective characters. And I think that's a break from the mold of detective films at the time. And we've seen it happen a bit more and more in modern day. And I think that's been a richer story that we've been shown to. But just, you know, scenes like the dinner party, when they're at the bar talking about, um, you know, their view, differing viewpoints. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of like a 
redefinition of the genre, I guess, like a kind of true detective-esque. I, it's, I, I can't comment on if it's not in line with their characters, because I, I wasn't paying attention to that when I heard it. But I did like specifically the sequence he talked about, where kind of this disappointment of what they're spending their lives with is that you know, they're not really solving anything. They're not really being heroes. They're literally just collecting items, collecting evidence in the off chance that it's used in a court case to actually help someone. And, you know, just the analogy of picking up diamonds in the off chance you get rescued. And I thought there was something cool about that. Just, you know, again, I think it just added to the depth at the moment. I I won't confirm or deny if I agree with you because I, about being, you know, the, the point that you made with it, just as far as characters having some inconsistencies, because I don't remember that, but that sequence I, I really enjoyed. And I, I, again, I think it just adds to depth and, and gives some insight into how they were thinking at the time. And uh, anytime you add depth like that, you can have richer characters and, and a better film. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you have anything else, sir? I think that's about it. Yeah. S- scale of zero to 10. How would you rate seven? Yeah, and don't give it a seven. That's just <laughs> stupid. I uh, I honestly was on track to giving it an eight. I truly was. And um, not that this, you know, it's not, it wouldn't have been an eight for like, yeah, I'm going to watch this repeatedly. Like, it's probably a one and done for me. Maybe someday I'll watch it again. But the ending didn't pan out for me. So I think I'm going to drop to a six. I could maybe be convinced to a seven, but then it seems kind of corny having it be scored a seven and being a seven. So I think I'm landing on a six out of 10. And uh, for me, I would want it to be in that category of, you know, being on a streaming site. I think if I had to pay $30 to get premium access to it, I would have been a little bit disappointed. Again, just how the ending was. But uh, yeah, six out of 10. What did you give it? I'm one... I'm curious. I am curious. What did you give it? I also genuinely gave it a six out of ten. Oh, um, okay. So very similar. Uh, again, the same. I I think it's entertaining. I do. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think it's. I don't know. I've. It basically comes down to I didn't think it was deserving of a five, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to go any higher than six. Sure. Um, yep. And that's. That's kind of all there is. You know, I it, it kind of falls, it does fall into the category of like, there might be the odd person who I would want to show this movie to. Mm. You know, if I'm like, ooh, this is the type of movie they would enjoy, then I think I would enjoy watching it again Sure. with them. Um, but not for like my own, like I won't just throw it on because I'm feeling like watching Seven. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Cool. And, and I can see... I I, am glad I watched it because it is a famous film, like an iconic film. And again, shout out to Andrew, who seems to be like he's now the CEO of the movie man, because this is the second film, second week in a row that he kind of had something to do with the film we reviewed quite directly. So this was his suggestion putting forward. So I I don't regret watching it because I think it's an iconic film and a lot of people talk about it. So I finally wanted to just see it just to say for myself what's what's going on here and i get why it's popular because at the time it was probably pretty revolutionary but looking at the director's work there are other films um that i that i would prefer watching like i think gone girl would be more up my alley 
uh, as far as if I had to pick a film that you know he's been involved with, I that's more up my alley. Does that mean I have to like? Do we need to increase Andrew's cut? <laughs> I mean, he's on the payroll now because I don't think I'm willing to do that. <laughs> there might be some layoffs coming up. <laughs> layoffs, lean times, lean times. Yeah. Uh, listen, I have some movie news that I'd like mm. to tell you about and hear your reactions to. Okay. So, first, I have two pieces of Top Gun Maverick news. <laughs> oh, man. I am is, so, so excited. Up, I, I have not been excited just because I, I uh, kind of like, you know, in Predator, I don't have time to bleed. I don't want to have the time to be excited just because you know what's the point of getting excited for something and then it's coming out in three months it's like i'll get excited for it when it's when i can taste it and i can taste it yeah yeah it's it's so good um listen so top gun maverick recently showed at the Cannes film festival okay to which it's odd yeah well whatever no they show big it's not all independent okay yeah they show big Uh, stuff okay Fair enough. Uh, to which it received a five-minute standing ovation. Five, five minutes. Five, that is a you know, long time. Like, if we just had five minutes of silence, that would be like an eerily... Like, five minutes is a long It's an eternity time. for something like that. <laughs> right? Just standing and clapping and cheering for five minutes. That's exhausting. <laughs> for everyone involved. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I also Wow, five minutes, okay. Top Gun Maverick is set to be the largest film opening of Tom Cruise's career. Like financially. Financially, yeah. They're projected to be Oh wow. Yeah. Oh wow. Which, which is not I mean, saying nothing. Listen, we can have a whole podcast about do we like Tom Cruise? is a person do we like his acting do we like the films that he's in but one thing that's not really debatable is he is in that f- small class of hollywood stars oh yeah and he's a box a, office draw and as a uh, yeah as a star he has the draw and he's you know anything he touches has a good chance of being lucrative and that's incredible that after all these years this will potentially be that so that's interesting yeah. okay okay uh staying on the tom cruise train as we always do. Yeah. The first trailer for the next Mission Impossible film has dropped. Did you oh see it? Oh, my Lord. I have not. I Again, that's something that I probably won't get into just because not only is it a ways away, but on our agenda is to review the whole film franchise. So I think I'd rather just watch them all before I get any intel yeah. on what's coming. Sure. Obviously, you watched it, I assume. Yeah, it's, it's a mediocre trailer. It's just kind of, eh. Mm, okay like it like i think it i'm sure it'll be a great film it's just a again it's just a bad trailer like it's (sighs) just like it doesn't really there's not a lot there's like one crazy tom cruise stunt moment right at the end and you're like oh my god tom cruise um (laughs) but aside from that it's like eh, it's just a bunch of like random cut cut together of random footage Mm. uh trailers the trailer for thor love and thunder came out (laughs) Did you see that? I am feeling like a broken record, but I have not. That one is just I haven't done. I think I will watch. I'm not going to save myself or anything for it. It is a good trailer. Okay. 
It's an I amazing mean, trailer. We get our first look at the villain, which is Gore the God Butcher being played by Christian Bale. The one and only. Yeah, it's a good trailer. Okay. It is a really good trailer. Okay. So Does Taika Waititi's character make a cameo at all in the trailer? Korg? Yeah. He opens the trailer. Oh, baby. Yeah, it's literally him. It's like Korg sitting in a cave. Oh. And there's like a bunch of like kids sitting around. And he's like, okay, kids. Um, <laughs> yes. Get your popcorn ready. I'm going to tell you the tale of the space Viking Thor Odinson. And like, oh. you know, and he's just like, Thor, after saving the earth for the 100th time, you know, he, um, he decided he was going to get in shape. And he traded in his dad bod for a god bod. And like, it's just, it's so, it's so funny. You're like, oh my God, this movie's going to be amazing. And Gore the God Butcher looks terrifying. Oh, really? Like, looks like something out of a horror film. Kind of looks like the nun from the the Conjuring universe Oof. films. The nun. Yeah, oh yeah. Yuck. Like dark, nasty looking character. Oof. Um, so I'm excited for that. Sony, an executive at Sony has mm-hmm. said, that they are currently planning a fourth Spider-Man film, and they are hoping that the like uh, in the Tom Hall in the MCU continuation, the Tom Holland okay. Spider-Man okay. films, okay. and that it is their hope that all of the original cast will return, which would mean more Ned, more Zendaya, okay. more Tom Holland, which we were not entirely sure whether we were going to get or not. Um, but yeah. I think that's only good news, obviously. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, obviously. that's super exciting. Uh, what else have I got here? Um, I think that's it, except... Um, so, we've talked a little bit about... I don't know if I talked about it with you or I talked about it with Carl. Mm. Talking a bit about Warner Brothers has seen a shift in executives... Um, they were recently taken over by, uh, oh, what's his, what's his first, David, David Zaslav oh, um, yeah. is the new CEO of Warner Brothers. Right. Um, and he has said that moving forward, all DC movies will be made for theatrical releases. So no more... Right. No more, hey, we're going to make a film and we're just going to stick it on HBO Max. Um <laughs> All films right. are going to be made with big blockbuster budgets mm. with the intention of releasing them in the theater. Now, hmm. this is a little bit of a double-edged sword, sort of, only because the HBO Max angle gave the potential for like, oh, okay, well, maybe there's like some deep cut characters that that would normally never get their own film. Oh, okay. Um, and, and this is sort of a way to kind of like still bring those to the screen. However, I think that I think this new CEO is smart and I think he's looking at what Marvel's done Mm. and he's realizing, you know, Marvel, Marvel didn't need a streaming service Hmm. in order to bring guardians of the galaxy to the big screen. Right. They didn't need a streaming service to bring the eternals to the big screen or Shang-Chi. Right. They just said, it doesn't matter what characters you're making, just make a damn good film. And if you right. make a damn good film, then it will do well, and you can use whatever characters you want. So, that's, hmm. you know, yeah. And that's it. That's all I got. Compelling characters make for a good story and a good film. 
Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Cool. What did you watch this week, sir? Ah, only two things. The first was actually another kind of detective mystery film. Uh, I watched the 2013 Prisoners uh, connection to Dune with uh, Denise Dennis Villeneuve. I believe he directed that. Yeah. Um, I think you're familiar, but the, for the listener, it's the, you know Hugh the story Jackman. of yeah, you Jackman, Jake um, Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal story of a detective and a father during an abduction of children it's you know what it's compelling um i was interested in watching it it didn't quite hold up maybe like i had remembered or maybe how i had built it up in my head um i think just there were some character depth gaps that i if they had been filled in or a bit deeper i think it would have been a bit more easy for me to grab on grab onto or had a bit of a deeper depth for me to say this is a good film um so respectable but not amazing so i gave it a six out of ten um that that's a movie that has a really good trailer and the film doesn't like the trailer makes the movie seem a lot better than the movie actually mm, is and i mean and it after all, like the 12 trailers that you asked me if i watched and i said no i do remember watching the trailer for this one so i can comment on that and i would agree with that like i mean there are things the film does well there's some dramatic irony moments where the audience knows things that individual characters know that the audience has the whole piece but each character has like a different piece so like there's there's just things that are done well but i that's an interesting observation that i'd probably agree with the trailer is better than the film that dramatic irony is something that I think Seven could have utilized and benefited 100%. from. 100%. Again, I, I, that's exactly what I said. Have Morgan Freeman know what's happened and have him choose, am I yeah. going to tell Brad Pitt that or will I, will I, for his own protection, will I withhold that from him? I completely agree. Completely. Uh, so I watched Prisoners, gave it a 6 out of 10. And then the only other thing I watched, I... I was tired one of these one of these days and I just wanted something to throw on the TV that didn't have to think if I fell asleep partway through no worries easy to follow I just threw on like an early 2000s comedy without a paddle 2004 Ah uh, yeah I've been eyeing that up on Netflix Yeah it's been I, a long I, time I had seen it once uh, again with like roommates when I was in school and you know it <laughs> There, I will say there were some times that I laughed out loud. There were some jokes that were funny. But for the most part, it really hadn't aged well for me. I gave it a 3 out of 10. There were just so, there were some comedy things that I thought were just lame or not entertaining. And there were some sequences that I found just kind of annoying, to be honest. I, you know, it had... It it, it it was everything that early some early 2000s comedies were. And it just... It is what it is. And just hadn't aged well for me. But a 3 we out of 10... We talked about that movie last week. We talked it about so we talked about it. We've talked about it a few times, but yeah, last yeah. week was definitely one. And we yeah. had that we had the actor carryover from Scream, so that's why we talked about it. That's right. Yeah. Well, we talked about it, and we also talked about um, how can you? We talked about it in Scream, and we talked about it in Oh, in did first uh, wives club because we were talking about like right. how can you do a funeral? How can yes. you start a movie with a character dying and not yep. make it this? like mood killing somber awful thing and i think as much as i didn't like without a paddle i think without a paddle did do that well where it was actually a way to tie the characters together and throughout it was just 
something yeah. a special bond. So it was done in a way that, yeah, it wasn't a wet blanket. Which, which is exactly what First Wives Club tried to do. And yeah. I think it just fell flat. For, well, it, yeah, just for some reason, it, that sad taste was always in the back of our mouths instead of just enjoying the characters coming together. It was still more sad than it was happy. My other hot take that you brought this up now, comparing it to Scream, I did. I said in Scream that I didn't like Matthew Lillard, and like I found him kind of like a one-trick pony. Again, I didn't like Without a Paddle at all, but this was actually... I liked his performance in this film. There was something about it that I thought it was a bit different than his usual uh, his usual kind of roles that he plays. So right. I actually I actually was like, hey, this might be my favorite movie of his, even though I didn't like the film. So I I got a kick out of that. That's but. that's quite a that's quite an accolade. <laughs> what what did you watch this week? So I watched a film, and I don't often recommend films to you anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I would since, recommend I would recommend yeah. this one, especially the next time you need to like just throw something on. Okay. And I think you'll end up not falling asleep to it because you'll be like, "Oh, this is a lot better than I thought it was going to be." Okay. I highly recommend on Disney Plus the new Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie. I'm intrigued. And listen, I didn't really watch the show as a kid so i'm oh. i'm not the psychographic demographic f- for this movie okay but it didn't matter it's so good and there's so many cameos from other disney characters in it um huh. that it it's kind of got something for everybody right. um and it's just it's an example of one of those live action cgi cartoon hybrids done really well Interesting. Feels feels less like Alvin and the Chipmunks did, and more like like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like it's got that kind of they've established they acknowledge that the cartoon characters in this movie are cartoon characters that exist within the real world. Whereas Alvin mm. and the Chipmunks were just like, oh, these are just CGI chipmunks that don't <laughs> look like chip. Like it was just or the Yogi Bear movie. And it's like, right. uh, what's happening here? You all see that that's a cartoon, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, they they just they they dealt with it really well. It's really good. Um, can I just ask a follow up question? Yeah, because I I did not religiously, but I did watch that show growing up. So I'm in, I was intrigued to begin with, and now you've piqued my curiosity. Is it? I noticed it on the Disney Plus. Is it like available to everyone, or do you have to yep. pay like a premium oh, no. to get no, it? No, it's right there. Just grab okay. it. Okay. And everyone's there. Monterey Jack, Gadget, like, oh yeah. And so the movie's kind of set, like, it's set in modern day, and it acknowledges the show that they, that, you know, Chip and Dale and these other characters were actors on the Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers show, that they had their own show, and now Mm. it's been 20 years, and they've gone their separate ways, they've had a falling out, you know. Sure. So it it really, it, it feels... It's a good movie. It's a really good hmm. movie. The other yeah. film that I watched that is very similar, it's in the same, it was a rewatch for me. It's in the same lane, and it's also so good. <laughs> as I rewatched uh, the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Okay, yep. It's yep. so good. It's <laughs> especially, like, Jim Carrey is, is just, he steals every scene he's in. 
He's right. so good in this movie, which was so refreshing after eh, a decade or so of like mediocre hit and miss Jim right. Carrey performances. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's it, both films are excellent. And those are the two movies I watched this week. Very cool. And I yeah. know the you're such a Jim Carrey fan. So I, every time you mention that movie, I, I, uh, I get it. I get why you're watching it. I, I even do. like James Marsden in it. What the heck is wrong with you? I don't. I don't mind James Marsden, but like the, but I, hate I feel him. He's like a wiener. This podcast was built on the foundation that you hated that man. So to, for you to say yeah. that is just quite yeah. something. No, it's worth it's worth a watch, my friend. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right, wrap it up, sir. All right. Well, honestly, thank you everyone for listening first and foremost, and thank you for everyone who voted, whether you're a patron with a supercharged vote or everyone else who just voted as well. Honestly, voting does help. It's a fun way to listen, hear back from you saying what film you prefer, and it also just, it's fun to help have you influence the show. So thank you for voting. Thank you for listening. Check out our Patreon page, merchandise page, help support the show if you're feeling so inclined. And um, like, follow, subscribe everywhere you can and reach out with a like, comment, or a message. Um, we, we do appreciate it. And until next week, where we will be talking about Top Gun, and I can already guarantee I'll know what one film will be and what I watched. <laughs> I can already... I Gotta do I a little am, refresher, eh? Do it a little refresher. I sure That did. makes sense. Yeah. I maybe started I, maybe it... Maybe I should. Peeling the curtain back, I haven't watched it in a while, and I honestly was like, do I really need to rewatch it? Because, I mean whatever and so i decided and i started again because the schedules i watched part of it and i'm watching the rest tomorrow and i was exercising when i watched it and when like the danger stone started playing and i was like pumping some iron i was like i've made the right decision in life <laughs> just in general i was on it was cool well, and also just shirtless volleyball you're like oh that's <laughs> now i know like i can aspire to this target <laughs> i haven't reached it to that part yet but point taken yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny all right, well, um, I guess unlike Seven, uh, where not everything has a happy ending, uh, the Movie Man podcast has a happy ending, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.